As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Welcome to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with the president of the Christian Research Institute, Hank Hanegraaff. Our mission is to equip you with answers to share the hope that you have within you because life and truth matter. Why? Because being armed with truth will equip you to counter the corrosive worldviews at work in our world today. While experiencing the authentic Christian life will make you a winsome witness of the purpose of life, which is to experience union with God and Christ, both for today and for all eternity. For more information about CRI and the Bible Answer Man broadcast, our phone number is 888-7000-CRI. You can find us online at equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. As always, great to answer your questions right here on the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Our contact information on the web, equip.org. And via the mail, it's Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. It is always our wonderful resource consultants. They are standing by 888-7000. And the letters CRI, a lot of you hanging on. We'll go right to the phone calls. First up today, Letitia in Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Letitia. Hi, Hank. Thank you very much for taking my call. I truly, truly enjoy your show, and thank you for everything you do. Thank you. Earlier in the week, I was listening. I, I always listen to the Christian ch channel here in Chicago, and I did not get the pastor's name, but he was talking about how when we pray that we should address our prayers only to God the Father and not to Jesus. And I was wondering, is that correct? Is there any any life of God, which is to say that we're brought into the Trinity. Now, that does not mean that we share the nature of God as God is in the Godhead, 
but we are brought into that love relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And being in that relationship means that we can speak with the Father, but we can likewise speak with the Son. And there's all kinds of biblical precedent for doing that very thing. For example, if you look at John chapter 14, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me, said Jesus, for anything in my name and I will do it. And of course, that is qualified by, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But the point here is simply that we can obviously pray to the Son. The biblical precedent is in the Bible itself. We can also pray to the Holy Spirit. And I certainly do that myself in prayer, thanking the Holy Spirit for not only being my counselor, but for giving me wisdom. As I do the broadcast every single day, I spend time in prayer before I do the broadcast. I never miss. At this point, I don't feel like I can do the broadcast without spending that time in prayer. But when I pray, I always pray not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit. And I say, precious Holy Spirit, give me the ability to do what I can't do on my own. Help me touch lives in a way that I'm incapable of doing by myself. So I am addressing the Holy Spirit in prayer, just as I'm addressing our Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. But my pattern of prayer is always, well, I start praying a prayer that's called the Jesus Prayer, which is another story, but it is a way of me expressing my deep love for God and expressing my neediness as a sinner. And then I pray what I call a fax prayer. Uh, it's just an acronym where I first express my faith in God, my adoration for God, I confess my sins, I thank God for his many blessings, and then I bring my supplications. But I also pray the Lord's Prayer. Well, the Lord's Prayer, I don't just pray as rote, but every single one of the petitions is something that becomes a launching point for me to pray about other things. So if I uh, pray as Jesus taught me to pray, I would pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So what do I do then as I pray that the Lord would allow the way I conduct myself on the air and otherwise to bring glory, to hallow his name? There's much more that could be said. Thy kingdom come. This is not about my kingdom. It is about thy kingdom. Thank you for allowing me to be a co-consummator of the kingdom. May I be faithful in that task. So I'm praying as the Lord taught me to pray every single day as well by specifically addressing the Father. But having said all of that, remember what I started out saying, and that is each person within the Godhead is a person that we have a loving relationship with. So we only have one God, but within the Godhead there are three centers of consciousness. Identity formed and completed on the basis of relationships within the Godhead, and we can address each person within the Godhead and deepen our relationship with each person within the Godhead. So this is one of the great 
great privileges of prayer. Let's go back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Matthew, listening in Spring, Texas. Hi, Matthew. Hey, Dr. Hanegraaff. Welcome the program, buddy. Thank you. I'll make this quick, and then I'll hang up and uh, listen to your answer. Uh, we're doing a Bible study for our uh, Sunday school group, and we're talking about covenant relationships and covenant relationships with Abram and, and God's covenant with uh, Abraham. And I guess my question when we were talking about the flood in Genesis was, could everybody really have been bad, like even the babies and the children? I understand adults and teenagers, but I guess we kind of got hung up on the on, on babies in the time. Could they have been bad? I'll let you talk and uh, listen to the program, and uh, thanks for everything you do. Sure. I think one of the epic stories in the Bible, of course, is in Genesis chapter 6, where civilization has devolved to the point that God is weary of the evil in civilization and for the good of humanity wipes out those people who are living at the time of Noah such that Noah only eight people along with Noah, including Noah, were saved in the midst of the waters of the flood. So in any kind of a casualty, whether it's war, whether it's a natural disaster, you know, there are young kids that die in that natural disaster, in that war, whatever the circumstance might be. And it's horrifying to think about those young children dying. But what we have to do ultimately is leave everyone, including the youngest among us, in the hands of an infinitely just and infinitely merciful God, which is to say that though we cannot account for every single converging factor, we know that God can. And so in the midst of calamity and tragedy, We don't always try to answer the question why, but we learn to trust God in the midst of our whys, knowing that in the greatest size, every single person will be judged with a righteous as well as a loving sentence such that we can, well, we can rejoice in God's mercy as well as in his justice. So we leave those children in the hands of an infinitely just and infinitely merciful God. Let me say something real quickly before we go to break. This ministry is supported by listeners just like you. Without you, I cannot do what I do. So I'm simply asking you, as you're led by the Holy Spirit in prayer, to invest in the ministry. I don't want you to give in the sense of getting something, whether it's a resource, but with a grateful heart and a recognition that when you give, you're giving for the extension of God's kingdom, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. Some of you hear the Bible Answer Man broadcast and do not realize that we have a worldwide ministry. It's impacting people on all continents in a very significant way. So when you become a CRI support team member, what you do is you commit to supporting the Christian Research Institute and its outreaches around the world with your ongoing support. In appreciation, what I do is I personalize a copy of any one of my books as you request them to you 
to a family member or a friend. To join CRI's support team, well, it's as easy as going to equip.org slash donate. We're going to be back in just a few moments with more answers to your questions. So please don't touch that dial. In The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's character Faramir voices the thoughts of countless soldiers throughout history. War must be while we defend our lives against a destroyer who would devour all. But I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend. If you too love what together we defend, our faith, biblical truth, and our freedoms, become a member of CRI's support team today by calling 888-7000-CRI. And as our thanks, Hank Hanegraaff will personalize to you a copy of his complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated. Call 888-7000-CRI or visit our website at equip.org. That's 888-7000-CRI or simply visit our website at equip.org. Hank Hanegraaff will be back right after the break. Breaking the code of the book of Revelation has become an international obsession. The result has been rampant misreading of scripture, bad theology, and even bad politics and foreign policy. In the Apocalypse Code, find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. Hank Hanegraaff argues that the key to understanding the last book of the Bible is the other 65 books of the Bible, not current events or recent history. The Apocalypse Code offers sane answers to some very controversial questions such as, what does it mean to take the book of Revelation literally? Who are the Antichrist and the Great Whore of Babylon? And what is the real meaning of 666? Order The Apocalypse Code by Hank Hanegraaff today. Available in soft cover, MP3 CD, or MP3 download from equip.org or call 888-7000-CRI. With over half a million copies in print, Hank Hanegraaff's Bible Answer Books were born out of his many years of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. He's taken his on-air answers to questions and chiseled them until only the gems emerge. Questions involving biblical interpretation, cults, science, ethics, apparent contradictions, and much more. This remarkable collection of concise answers is now even better. My goal, says Hank, is to take the complex and make it simple and memorable. Receive your copy of the complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches. 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. That's equip.org. Anyone who's been paying attention knows there's a war going on, not just on traditional morality, civility, and decency, but even more fundamentally on historic notions of truth. And the enemy isn't just the onslaught of fake news facilitated by a post-truth culture and turbocharged by growing legions of ideological spin doctors. No, the real enemies of truth range from postmodernist convictions that there is no objective truth to militant scientism that claims that only science can determine truth and religion is little more than primitive 
of superstitions, but CRI support team members are not waving a white flag of surrender. They're holding the fort by undergirding every one of Christian Research Institute's mind-shaping and life-changing outreaches 24-7. To learn how you can make a difference and enjoy all the benefits of support team membership, simply visit equip.org. Let's return to your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy, and we are going right back to our phone callers. Next up is Lisa, listening in British Columbia, Canada. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Hank. Uh, it's great to be able to get through today, and <laughs> just want to thank you for your clear voice in the midst of the turmoil in the world today. But my question is basically on the issue of the pervasiveness of pornography on how it's impacted my family. It's my son that, um, you know, I'm a, my concern is for. But one of the things is, you're probably familiar with Focus on the Family. Um, recently, I've heard kind of like a, a stat or whatever regarding, you know, boys as young as 8 to 10 years of age being first their first exposure to pornography. And that is basically fits into the case of our son, that it was going to a neighbor's house and being exposed, first exposed there, and then him having that battle and him feeling so, you know, ashamed about that, that he never ever told myself and his father until, you know, he was later on in years. So now he's basically 18. So it's been quite a number of years that he's been, you know, battling this. He has sought help through our church, through good leaders there. And basically the advice that he's been getting is, you know, to have an accountability partner or like a 12-step program kind of idea that's been suggested. And one of my concerns, too, is about generational sin, where my husband also has had this in his background. It's a big concern, and I'm just wondering, what's your perspective on that? Well, I think, first of all, it's good that there is the search for accountability. And I've often said that Joe Dallas has written the best book on the men's 30-day strategy for attaining sexual integrity. This is not a magical kind of a cure. It is a very systematic, well-thought-out cure for attaining sexual integrity. The, the book is actually called The Game Plan, and it has helped a lot of people over the years. So that's the first thing that I would recommend to you. The second thing that I would say is it's good that he's seeking help and it is good that you replace the bad with the good. But again, that's easier said than done because this is a horribly addictive behavior and of course conditions people to view others as objects of self-gratification. And the Lord, of course, is very, very clear that we ought to guard our gaze. It's sort of like marijuana. Marijuana is a precursor to experimenting with even more dangerous substances. And in the same way, pornography often leads to increasingly degrading sexual behavior. But the good news is that even the strongest addiction to pornography can be overcome by taking the practical steps that you alluded to to remove the temptation. 
And that starts by establishing an accountability structure, because if you do not have that, the addiction will overwhelm your best intentions every single time. So you have to have this accountability structure, and you have to learn how to put on the full armor of God, which you find in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. I wrote a book about that called The Covering, God's Plan to Protect You from Evil. The book teaches you not only the pieces of the armor, but what they represent. If you put on the covering or the full armor of God, you're invincible in spiritual warfare. When you do not, you're a guaranteed casualty. In terms of a generational curse being passed down, I don't think that that is what's going on. Certainly there are consequences to the sins of the fathers visited on the children, which is to say if a father indulges in pornography, there's oftentimes an open avenue for the child to do so as well. But more likely in today's age, when kids have computer tablets or computers or cell phones, the kinds of things that are available to kids are just mind-boggling. Even when they go to a sports page, the things that are available are are simply incredible. And so I think there has to be a real guardianship on the part of the parent today to try to preclude this because, you know, your son is not a bad person in the sense that he's into pornography. I mean, this is a natural kind of addiction when you get exposed to it. And it is a very dangerous addiction on all levels. Now, all of us are sinners, but I'm just saying that the addiction is palpable and a lot of people are struggling with it today. So I think the game plan that I talked about earlier is a very, very helpful antidote. I mean, it will give you everything that's necessary if someone is really serious to overcome the addiction to pornography and to establish or attain sexual integrity. Thank you for all of your insights there. I really appreciate it. I certainly sounds like those uh, resources would be very, very helpful. I know, yeah, as you said, it's a spiritual warfare battle uh, within himself, but also... I think, as family members to support him in that. And I'm finding just to keep the door of communication open is vital. So, And also the acceptance there is vital, acceptance of him as a person, right, and uh, as my son. So, Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you're in the battle together. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for your call. We'll go back to the phone lines from Lisa to Lori. Lori's in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Lori. Hi, Hank. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. I have a question about Isaiah 714, specifically the part where they're referencing the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. I've always believed that that was prophecy and pointed to the virgin birth of Christ, but recently another believer has shared his interpretation that it might actually be referencing a virgin birth before Christ. Well, not a virgin birth before Christ, but the virgin will give birth to a child. And that does not mean a virgin in the sense of someone who has never had relationships with a man. So here's what's going on. It's really interesting because if you look at what Matthew does, Matthew recognizes a historical pattern of events that finds quintessential fulfillment in the miraculous birth of Messiah. So if you look at 
the precursor or the type. It happens in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah's wife gave birth to Maharshala Hasbaz in a fashion common to all humanity. Thus, though she did not give birth as a virgin, Mary most certainly did. So again, what Matthew sees is a historical pattern of events that finds quintessential fulfillment in a miraculous virgin birth with respect to Messiah. But if you look at the historical context of Isaiah chapter 7, well, you have Ahaz, he's the monarch of the tiny kingdom of Judah. He's shaken because there are two superpowers on his northern flank. One is Rezin of Syria, and the other is Pekah of Israel. So these two kings, these two superpowers are plotting his ruin. And so what God does is he provides a sign guaranteeing that those two kings would come to ruin. And the way he does that is by saying the virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. And before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. Well, of course, what God promises comes to pass. Isaiah went to the prophetess. She conceived. She gave birth to a son. And before the boy knew how to say, my father or my mother, both of those superpowers, Syria and Samaria, were laid waste by, happened to be the, uh, the Assyrians. Well, 700 years after faithless Ahaz, Matthew saw the temporary salvation of Judah as a type of the eternal salvation that God's people would experience through Jesus Christ, who is quite literally born of a virgin. Okay, and and I have found that, like, there's different interpretations of what that Hebrew translation means. But the way I'm understanding this person is that they're really believing that maybe there was a virgin birth. No, no. The Hebrew word Alma has nothing to do with virginity, and it's wholly irrelevant to the discussion, because what this has to do with is is prophecy, but it's typological prophecy, which sees historical correspondence, but a heightened factor in the antitype. So in the type you have a birth in the normal course of how human beings give birth. In the antitype, you have an intensification where you have a literal virgin birth. By the way, let me say, Lori, I've written about this under a section in my book, Has God Spoken?, where I talk about the splendor of typological prophecy. Predictive prophecy is fairly straightforward. So if you think about Micah 5.2, When Herod asked the chief priests and the teachers of the law where Christ was to be born, they said, in Bethlehem in Judea, for that is what the prophet has written. Typological prophecy is somewhat more complex, but once you grapple with it, you will start seeing a pattern of beauty in the Bible that cannot be conceived of otherwise. And that's why I wrote about typological prophecy in my book, Has God Spoken? That book available through the ministry of the Christian Research Institute. We're out of time for this edition of the Bible Lance Man broadcast. Look forward to seeing you next time with more of the show. You've been listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. 
To listen to the broadcast on the internet, visit equip.org, where you'll also find a wealth of information and resources to equip you. To talk to a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. Breaking the code of the book of Revelation has become an international obsession. The result has been rampant misreading of scripture, bad theology, and even bad politics and foreign policy. In the Apocalypse Code, find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. Hank Hanegraaff argues that the key to understanding the last book of the Bible is the other 65 books of the Bible, not current events or recent history. The Apocalypse Code offers sane answers to some very controversial questions such as, what does it mean to take the book of Revelation literally? Who are the Antichrist and the Great Whore of Babylon? And what is the real meaning of 666? Order The Apocalypse Code by Hank Hanegraaff today. Available in soft cover, MP3 CD, or MP3 download from equip.org or call 888-7000-CRI. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.